1: Thank you for downloading and pressing play. We have another family show this week. You get me and Matthew and none of those pesky guests interrupting us and preventing you from hearing the sound of our voices. Hi, Matthew. David, we don't have to explain who Andy is this episode. (laughs) We don't have
0: to explain why they're living in a shop and Mrs. Garrett's
1: gone. This is freeing. I
0: don't know yes. about
1: you. <laughs> well, we are about to discuss season eight, episode 14, called Post Christmas Card, which had an original air date of January 17th, 1987. Before we get started, Matthew, mm-hmm. we have a new Tutti Fruity. we need to welcome. Oh, my God. Welcome Tutti Fruity, Patrick F. I don't know what the F stands for. I've got a couple ideas <laughs> <laughs> having
0: Actually, not I, having no sight in a scene. I mean, I have, you know, just going from, you
1: know, just my imagination. <laughs> I think I do know his last name, but of course we like to protect people's anonymity. So, Patrick F., hi, welcome. Thank you for becoming a patron of the show. And if you want to be like Patrick F., patreon.com slash facethefactspod. If you don't sponsor the show financially, that is okay. We're still going to make the show. But please join us in welcoming Patrick F. to the family. Yeah, we're not doing Pat. We're doing Patrick. Yeah, not Patty or Patsy. Patrick. No. hmm I don't know. Maybe, maybe he does go by one of those others or pat, patty cakes, patty cake, maybe. <laughs> Anyhow, we want to talk about some nuts and bolts of this episode. How about it? The episode was written by Matt Geller. This is his first of two episodes that he uh, is writing for the show. He is a program consultant for six episodes this season. He also will write Rites of Passage Part One, which is you know the two-part season finale coming up when Blair and Joe graduate from college. So we will be hearing from Mr. Geller again. Mm. Yes, and he only has nine writing credits, not a lot, but they include Fame, Small Wonder, Married with Children, The Cosby Show, Who's the Boss, He has an IMDb page, but he does not have a Wikipedia page. What? uh, Yeah. And here's the thing. The listing on the Facts of Life episodes page, where it lists him as the writer, it's misspelled as Geller, G-E-L-L-A-R, versus the actual spelling on the episode is G-E-L-L-E-R. So, I don't know. Big mystery here. This is a lot of drama, and I just don't have the bandwidth. That's all I'm saying. And the episode was directed by your favorite and mine, John Boab.
0: Mm. Nothing stood out directorially challenging to me this episode. I will say that.
1: Yeah, I I, I will agree with you there. I nothing, yeah. And if and if it doesn't stand out, if it doesn't look weird or wrong, if you don't notice it, that means you're doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's this that's true for a lot of art, isn't it? Uh, and and my sex life too, I think. So, Matthew, no guest. You get to be put on the spot. Give us the Elevator Pitch TV Guide short synopsis of the entire episode. What did we just watch?
0: Andy has an obsession with television home shopping.
1: Um, I will agree with you. Yes. Bravo. That is a question that I do have in my notes about, wait, what? Yeah. Uh, In addition to that, uh, we also do have uh, Natalie gets a credit card and charges herself into a severe amount of debt. Oh, yeah. Well, there's that. Yeah, there's that. That's the B story to Andy's uh, home shopping obsession. Yeah. So um, let's get started. Ready to start our uh, microscopic dissection?
0: Yes. And I have a question to start with. Is it me, or does Joe sound like she has a cold Uh, in this episode? In my notes.
1: Yes, it does sound like she's got a cold or a sinus infection. We've had this a couple other times, at least once, I think possibly twice, where we have taken note of her sounding congested.
0: And let me ask that. Let me bring this up now for our dear listeners who haven't yet watched an episode, because I didn't realize it until about halfway through, so I had to go back and start again to see if it was true. The laugh track sounds as bored as the rest of us on this episode. <laughs> like there's so many laugh track moments where you just hear, <sighs> and it just it's like oh oh okay. But I know, you. I, I wonder if that's an unsweetened laugh track or something, because that's the actual, because I know you live, you want to die on the cross that they filmed in front of a live studio audience. And I'm sure they did, but I still say they sweetened the laugh track, but I don't think they did on this episode because the every laugh track comes up like, ha ha ha, ha. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It made me laugh harder.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, Ken Reed, our friend, is friends with Paul Provenza, and Paul Provenza, who was the warm-up guy, says that there was always a live studio audience yeah. for these. And I, I continue the cross I'm going to die on is if they were going to sweeten the soundtrack, why ain't it sweeter? Yeah. It's like oof. And you know, unlike even even Friends, you listen to you know, and Friends, Friends is 20 years old now, and it's like, well, <laughs> actually, Friends is going to be 30 years old next year. Good morning, David. Oh, fuck a Duck. I feel like Rip Van Goddamn Winkle. Mm. Anyway, the episode starts in the living room, and Joe and Blair are taking down the Christmas tree. D- did they ever have a Christmas tree up this season? Am I crazy? Was there never a tree there? I don't think we ever had one, did we?
0: No, but like we do on 80s sitcom, we are dropping in on a moment in time in their... In their year, in their week, in their day, sometimes, because mm. we're about to get some serious television trope exposition. Oh, this at least gives me God. the. This at least gives us the exposition right from the bat. Oh, it's the new year because wasn't this January of eighty-seven or something? That this is? Yeah, January seventeenth. Yes. Okay, so then yeah, yeah. we didn't you know. give you a Christmas episode, but we're letting you know.
1: Yeah, we're giving you a New Year's thing, and. Uh, and the fact that the episode is called Post Christmas Card, it's not Christmas Card because it's happening after Christmas, which is, yeah. uh, I, I do like that little wordplay. you know, they're like the wonderful Johnny Mercer or Yip Harburg and how they dance around a lyric or two. Mm. A- anyone? No. Okay. So Joe is on the ladder getting the ornaments down and throwing them, just casually throwing them into the packaging or whatever, while Blair is talking about something else. Well, this is the catalyst for the discussion of the New Year's resolutions. So we have, this is a TV trope and it's a life trope too, because we all make New Year's resolutions and don't keep them. So we're setting up that all five of the girls, women, ladies, people have made New Year's resolutions and they've actually put money into a pot and, and not the pot that Mrs. Garrett was selling. We're talking an actual pot where you would contain cash. And so they're each betting 20 bucks that they are the ones who will keep her resolution the longest and that the others will cave. So there's a hundred bucks in this. <laughs> and I, for all the jokes I make about actors being bad at math, I'm actually good at math, or at least I was once upon a time.
0: Today, that would be $247.49. Thank you. I like to put math in a real world situation, David. I don't give a fuck about how this guy's driving his rowboat upstream at five miles per hour while this other guy's on a train. I don't give a fuck how they're going to meet in Phoenix. (laughs) (laughs) But I can tell you that $100 is $249.47 in 2022 money.
1: Thank you. I actually did the conversion for all the future ones. I did do the conversions as I'm sure you did, but I did miss that one. So thank you for grabbing that for me.
0: You're welcome. I would like it caught on record that David said, thank you for grabbing that for me. (laughs) Just there's my new, there's my new text message alert from David. His voice saying, thank you for grabbing
1: that for me. (laughs) How do I walk right into these? So, do you want to go through what each of their uh, New Year's resolutions is? Do we want to just list them all off?
0: Well, yeah, but it's important to to point out how how Beverly Ann. Did the exposition. Oh, you're right. You're right. A television show. Oh, that's right. I forgot. We all put twenty dollars into a pot. Now we have to work into each conversation a little reminder of what each person's resolution was, is basically mm-hmm. what she's telling us for setting yeah. up
1: for the rest of the episode. Uh and it's because Joe was throwing the ornaments. She stops and says, oh, oh, could you please be delicate with those? Those are those are antiques. They were my grandmother's. You know, I'll never forget when my grandma, oh, no, nope, nope, nope. Not living in the past. Not living in the past. And what we learn is under the guise of, I'm making air quotes, not living in the past. It seems to me like the girls tricked Beverly Ann into, could you not tell any more of your fucking stories? Right. <laughs> So we have that, but yeah. Oh, now we're suddenly we're reminded and then we're reminded of what, what are the other girls, uh, put up for their new years. Judy
0: agrees to not metal, mm-hmm. which is kind of an old fashioned word, isn't it? Metal. metal. Yeah. But, um, and Natalie,
1: what is, what is Natalie's? She's trying to adopt a more professional look to try and advance her career as a writer. Okay.
0: And Joe's is to not insult Blair. Mm -hmm. And Blair's is to be uh, the pretty
1: one. To not date on school nights. Oh, that, yeah, that too. Okay. Yep. And let's, I have it later in the show, but let's hit this now. Let's just do it. (laughs) What is at stake here? Like, it's one thing to say, I'm making a new year's resolution to take better care of myself, to eat better, to go to the gym, you know, things where it's like there's a long-term payoff, but for for Tootie to not meddle, that would be like saying you, you, Matthew, not doing drag. Like it's, it's literally. Oh, thank God. (laughs) But you know what I mean? The amount of
0: closet space alone (laughs) that that would free up.
1: Oh my God. Go on. But it's taking something that is at the essence of who she is to not yeah. meddle. And similarly, Joe, I'm not going to insult Blair. Like what's what's in that for her? Joe likes ins- It's not that it's to her own detriment. Like, you know, saying I'm going to stop eating an entire bag of Oreos every night. That's because it's actually technically good for me to not do that. That's what the payoff is. So uh, these are just such contrivances of TV show writers, and Blair Blair's a senior in college, and her yeah. grades have never ever been in question.
0: Yeah, I think it's okay if she goes out to dinner on a Wednesday. Thank you. Fine.
1: Yeah, it would if it was one thing to say, "I'm getting ready for law school. I'm taking the LSATs. I'm doing as in I have some type of a." a goal that involves me having to buckle down and hit the books harder. So I'm going to give it front burner and put the dating life on the back burner. Okay. We could do that, but no, this is just, it seems so arbitrary. And, and then at the end of the day, you know, what's 20 bucks to Blair Warner. She, you know, it's like, that's, that's what she wipes her ass. She has a thousand dollars in cash on her purse at all times. I think we figured out, but um, anyway, Then in comes Andy, mail call. Okay, who are you again? Do you, you you don't live here. You only just hang out here with five adult women. And uh, anyway, thank you for bringing in the mail, Andy. We appreciate it. At least you're fulfilling some function. And with the mail call, Natalie gets a letter from the bank saying she's been approved for a credit card with a $3,000 limit. Mm -hmm. $3,000 in 1987 is worth how much money in 2022 dollars, Matthew? I believe it's just under $7,400, David. Holy shit, that's a lot of money. And Natalie says the letter accompanied says, because of your stable work history. And even she, like we, says, four months at Senor Sombreros, that's a stable work history. (laughs) It's like, hey, okay, long as you acknowledge it, do, that it's like, Girl, you are 18 and you've only been out of college less than a year and only working odd jobs through a temp agency. But uh, anyway, be that as it may, Beverly Ann says... Never
0: mind, you are part owner of a business. So has mm. probably have some um, collateral we might be... I don't know. It just seems like she might have a relationship with the bank if she is um, part owner in a in a shop. Wouldn't she? I just, I felt like, "Mm."
1: Like, Uh, you just reminded me. I'm glad you said that. Uh, Doesn't she have a relationship with the bank? Didn't she take out a loan for the thousand dollars she contributed towards the contractor who built the new bedroom inside the bedroom? Blair Um, had the money. Joe sold her motorcycle. Tutti cashed in a bond. Natalie went to the bank. Natalie got the fucking loan and said, Joe, you need to go too. And Joe was like, I can't get the loan. So Natalie already, (sighs) Beverly Ann says, I've been turned down for a credit card six times. Okay, wow. And she says, maybe it's because I'm divorced and I have no credit history and no job or any money. I'm divorced,
0: hit me in the face. The fact that this is 1987 and credit card companies were turning women down because they were divorced. Come on. I mean,
1: was that, that true? It? Was I... that
0: a thing? I, know, I mean, I'm sure it was a thing. I'm sure. Of course it has
1: been a thing. I feel but... like a woman couldn't have a credit card in her own name. Like, I feel like it was the 70s. I feel like yeah. it was far too recent. So I don't know if divorced was a thing or if it's just her talking about the fact, meaning it was still very common for women to be financially tied up with their husband, and then they get divorced, and she has no credit history. She has nothing in her name to tell a bank she's good for whatever. I, I didn't take it to mean that that was an official reason. It was mm. a kind of a byproduct. Maybe I'm
0: listening that. to it through 2022
1: years and I'm looking to be offended, maybe. Mm hmm. Well, that's not, that's not uncommon. You are in very good company.
0: I'm on your side, girls. I'm, 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 I'm learning and I'm, I'm, I'm learning. Yes. The, the, that did um, not end as well as I, that hoped. So I don't know how you're going to edit that into something.
1: And the other issue with this little funny monologue of Beverly Ann's, why she can't get a credit card because she has no job is one of the things she lists because she has no job. Yeah uh granted i know we didn't see you signing paperwork turning over edna's share of the business to you but if that's not what happened what the fuck are you doing there (laughs) we know later she closes up the store to make a bedroom for andy bitch if you're not one of the part owners you ain't closing the store oh
0: yeah i can't wait to see how that happens i haven't watched that episode in a long time
1: uh anyway so Natalie is kind of ambivalent about getting a credit card. She's kind of like, "Eh, what am I going to do?" And you know, what, you know, this is a this is a big line of credit. I'm not going to spend, you know. And Blair is like, "Are you kidding me? Your first credit card, girl. This is an important moment in your life. You have to get it. Get that credit card. Seize this. Yes." And so uh, Natalie's like, "Okay, I guess so." And Tootie Even says, "You know, with that, you could buy yourself some things to give you that more professional image you're striving for it's like okay and speaking of which okay we know how the other girls lose their bet on the new year's resolutions natalie's resolution is to improve her professional image how would she theoretically have lost if she didn't buy an outfit if she It's just, there's just inequality here. That's all I'm saying. There is inequality. Then we go to this next scene, a weird scene in the store. And it's weird because it is Natalie now with her credit card, trying to decide being egged on by Blair, what to buy with her credit card. Like, it's like, you now need to spend money. How, how many days have passed? So is what i wondered like how quickly did that card show up because yeah. they used to have to carve them out of uh stone tablets in those days you know
0: yeah well it also reminded me like the early i guess not really early days of credit card but the 80s where it's like you can't use a credit card for a purchase that small
1: oh yeah she that's right to
0: buy ear earmuffs and they're only 498 because you can't use a credit card for a purchase that small. Yeah. I remember that. I remember like when debit cards came out like it had to be a minimum $10 purchase at McDonald's oh, yeah. to use the debit card because they charged you like a quarter every time you fucking used it or something ridiculous.
1: Yeah. It was it was before the kind of bank of America's all the big banks were were kind of taking over but yeah it was a thing of be careful which well this is still the same today you need to use the right atms if you use a different atm they charge you a fee and all yeah. that bullshit and yeah and and they charge you for a checking account if you don't use direct deposit which is bullshit
0: but do you know what they don't charge you david what 50 bucks for a planner that blair shows her. <laughs> She's like, here's a here's a planner, fifty
1: bucks for a planner, one hundred and twenty five dollars in twenty twenty dollars for a fucking paper appointment book, not even an electronic one, which I think may have been just starting to be invented back then. But yeah, a paper day planner. I think we know why nobody's in the
0: store. <laughs> here's a fifty dollar
1: day planner. Uh but she buys it. And here's the deal Natalie, her head is in the right place. Blair is the one who fucks this up. Natalie is the one saying, uh, it's expensive. And Blair says, it's only a few dollars a month. And Natalie says, but there's got to be a catch. Don't they charge interest? And Blair's like, well, so it's a few dollars and some cents. And Natalie's like, well, okay, because the interest that's where they get you the interest.
0: I loved your interpretation of that scene, David. Thank you.
1: (laughs) And you didn't give me any shit for my earlier Cloris Leachman impression. And so for that, I'm very thankful. You're welcome. Next scene in the living room. Blair is sitting at the desk. She's juggling her schedule with dates. She's setting up dates on the weekends in half hour increments, two weeks out in order to avoid dating during the week. And then Natalie comes in and Natalie is a woman transformed. She is in a fucking power suit. She She looks awesome. She is
0: dressed like Joan Cusack in Working Girl, David. (laughs) That's that 80s power suit looking thing with the shoulder pads and the scarf.
1: Yeah. I was going to say more like Bette Midler in Big Business, like with the it is double breasted it is boxy a f oh my god when she like puts her arms out or raises up her arm and you realize where the fabric begins and how much room there is in there but when she stands just stands with her arms at her side the width of the shoulder pads and the v that it creates down to the bottom of her skirt and then the scarf over the shoulder no quicker, easier way to make an 18-year-old <laughs> look like she's 45. Yeah. And gloves. That's that's that is kind of a power thing. Wearing gloves indoors. That's that's some shit, man. I really like, even though it is very period, very dated of its time. Oh, I yeah. think she looks she amazing. Brava, Diana Eden, our close personal friend. She does admit the outfit cost her yeah. $300, just under $750 by 2022 years. So, Tootie says, If I were the kind of person that meddles, wow, that is a lot of money. I laughed out loud at her
0: line reading when, and just to give some props to Tootie when I can, when she goes, How much money are we talking? $300. Oh my Lord, <laughs> <Just> <laughs> the, the restrained. Oh my Lord. Yeah. I just, I love, love that line reading. That Good was... job, Kim. Bravo.
1: Natalie does say that the power suit is because next week she's having lunch with a prominent publisher in New York city. And, uh, she's going to be showing up like this, ready to go, ready to show off how professional she is. And, uh, Show off some samples of her shitty writing. Oh, my God. Was that my out loud voice? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you typed that out loud. Yeah, damn. So next scene, we're still in the living room. Joe and Tootie are at the dining room table. Beverly Ann is hovering. And they say, Blair, you have some messages on the answering machine. Well, it's all messages from guys, all asking her out, all calling her princess. Yeah. I thought her dad called her princess. What the fuck is that? I'm not aware that Blair has a thing where she lets her boyfriends or encourages her boyfriends to call her princess. That's weird.
0: I was just having a hard time with how many different amazing places there are to go in Peak Skill. <laughs> like the first guy was like, want to take you to that romantic little French restaurant with the string quartet in Peak Skill. <laughs> there's a little French restaurant that has a string quartet at it in Peekskill really? a college town <laughs> this guy wants to take her to the ballet the ballet in Peekskill
1: you're, you're not wrong What's I didn't that? really think about that but uh, you're totally right
0: Jesus Christ it's like we live at Epcot for God's sake and somebody wants to go on a date I'm like oh God there's no place to go <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, oh
0: you're so right you're <laughs> I drive, think again. Not going to happen. Yeah. Church Street, are you crazy? I'm not going downtown. Oh, you know what? Let's just not go out. Yeah. Dominoes. Let's just not date. Yeah. I'll just die alone.
1: <laughs> it's just easier. It's really more convenient. <laughs> so uh, Natalie comes in with a mountain of boxes, a stack of boxes, and she even needs one of them to go out and get more of them out of the car because she met up with this publisher in New York, still wearing her power suit. She picked up the tab for the publisher and then looked at the other professionals also in this restaurant and realized she needs more than one outfit if she's gonna dress for success. So she has bought up a shit fuck ton of expensive clothes. At which point (laughs) Tootie says, Joe, help me, I need a designated meddler. And Joe says, okay, I'll give it a try. Natalie, what the hell do you think you're doing? Another hell. That, uh, Joe has said hell a couple of times here. What is this, mama's family? She's got a potty mouth, Joe. Damn, you kiss your mama with that mouth? Now that Mrs. Garrett's
0: gone, shes I, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if we're a couple episodes away from her dropping the F-bomb. <laughs> or even worse, the D-bomb. She might say damn in an upcoming <laughs> episode, David. <laughs>
1: you remember in the mama's family sketches back on the carol burnett well i don't know if you remember at the time but watching the reruns when eunice and mama say well you can keep your damn fly swatter when they would drop a damn or a hell yeah. how the audience was scandalized like that was so pushing the envelope i remember as a kid being like oh my god and how the times have changed. So in response to Joe and Tootie being like, what the fuck is this? Natalie turns to Blair and she's like, well, Blair, what do you think? Of course, Blair's the one that got this all started. And Blair even says, you've lost your mind. You forget one thing, I'm filthy rich. (laughs) So Beverly and starts to tell a story and resists and stops, at which point Natalie is like, well, I got my credit card. I'm spending my money. Fuck all of y'all. I'm going up the stairs. I'm paraphrasing. And then we fade to black and go to commercial. Oh, no. What's going to happen? Natalie's getting into debt and doesn't understand.
0: And the girls are all mad at her. Yeah,
1: it's this is quite the conundrum. It is. So then we come back from commercial at the store. Everybody is working. Tootie is checking out a customer. They hired an extra to do the thing of just grabbing a bag from the register and walking out the door. It was like, wow.
0: And she took four steps from the register to walk into the front door. <laughs> and those are four, four steps by someone who is five feet
1: tall. Oh, geez. Wow. David,
0: do you realize if we ever stood in over our heads, the first thing out of our mouth, it would be this is much smaller than I thought it was going to be.
1: Yeah, we'd be like, oh, now we know why they were blocked to stand inches away from each other's faces. So Natalie is sitting at the table, the what the fuck is that table and why is it their table that I constantly am like, huh? This this ain't a bakery no more. Mrs. Garrett ain't selling no fucking cookies. What is with that table still being there? It's just like the piano. It's there when we need it. Exactly. I, guess, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but Natalie's at the table with, uh, with an adding machine, adding up her receipts. And she is like, okay, girls, you're all so mad at me because this, I'm going to show you how responsible I am and show you blah, 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 that I haven't spent that much money. And they all add up to $1,994.38. How much is that in 2022 dollars, Matthew? That is just
0: about $5,100, David. Holy shit. And
1: that's that's basically she's under two grand into a three grand credit limit. Like she's, she's blown through a lot of that. So Tootie is like, Natalie, no, that is crazy. Even Natalie is taken aback by this. Let's make no mistake. Natalie's even like, oh, fuck, that's more than I thought it was. So Tootie is like, Natalie, take the stuff back. And she says, you're meddling, Tootie. And she says, I don't care. And I don't care if I lose the bet. Blair has a wonderfully funny line where she says, you know what, Natalie, I got you into this mess and it's only fair that my father gets you out of it. And she offers to pay. It's like, Natalie, again, girls, you're not taking advantage of your friend's wealth as much as you could be and should be. Yeah. Blair has offered to pay for many things over the years. And they're like, Oh no, Blair, I could I'd be like, Fucking letter. She won't even miss the damn money.
0: That shows that they love Blair for who she is and that
1: not her money. Oh, and that isn't that ridiculous. So then Beverly Ann starts to tell a story about. Uh, you know, you say you're going to stop, but you don't. It's about her husband when he was trying to quit smoking. And they're like, "Ah, ah, Beverly Ann, are you dwelling in the past? And she's like, yep. And I don't care. I'm going to wallow in it because this is like, this is a big situation. We got to pull out the big guns to get Natalie to change her mind. But it is to no avail, even though two of them officially break their New Year's resolutions and are officially out of the bet. Natalie says... I am just going to sell tacos day and night. I'm going to scale smelt. I guess she's going to go back to one of her old jobs and she's just going to work as hard as she can to pay it off, but not use the card anymore. So she gives her credit card to Beverly Ann and says, hide this, never going to use it again. So there it is. And that's how the scene ends. Mm. Next scene. We're in the living room. We have a bit missing from syndication. And once again, it's one of those where like, oh, something in the daily motion version actually doesn't make sense unless you have this information. You know how at the end of the episode, somebody says, well, Natalie, we all broke our new year's vows. You're the only one who was able to keep her resolution. Yeah. It's like, uh, did they? We, We just had Beverly Ann and Tootie go out this last scene. Well, this scene that's cut from syndication, is where we lose Blair and Joe. So Joe gets a phone call from a guy. And in the old thing of leaving a message for somebody, yeah, he gets a phone call, and it's Blair having a date set up on a weeknight. Blair claims it to be a study date or something like that where they happen to do it at a restaurant and they happen to have dinner. And Joe says, if you think you can get away with an excuse like that, you're blonder than I thought. And she says, that is an insult. And Joe says, well, you have been having dates during the week. So we're both out of the contest. So that's what gets Blair and Joe out of there. Now, all of them are going to a concert this night. All of them except Natalie. Tootie offers to treat. Natalie says, nope, she needs to get some work done because Natalie is typing at the typewriter. And she says she's going to try to make some extra money selling short stories to publications that pay by the word. She says, if she can sell one short story a
0: month, have you sold any? Uh, Thank you. Have led you to believe that this is a viable choice in in paying those bills? All right, girl. That's that's some optimism. (laughs) Yeah. Especially when she starts
1: her story with. With, it was a dark night. A very, 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 very dark night. We've talked about this before with, with Natalie, basically starting, it was a dark and stormy night or ending with, and then I woke up. I mean, these are remedial, rookie, junior, high school level writing things that, what? Natalie, really, come on. So now we're back from the extracted portion and that's where the, the, the doorbell rings and it's Andy there to watch the TV. And so he shows up and he he's not at his grandmother's house. He's she's watching something else. And he's got to get to a TV to tune into this show that he's going to tune in to watch. And what is it? It's fucking QVC, for Christ's sake. Yeah, it's like early shopping. shopping. Yeah, Uh, it's actually a spoof of the ads that were this guy in New York City known as Crazy Eddie would do these commercials where he'd be talking to the camera and throwing things at the camera. So this is actually very of the time. I don't recall ever seeing this, again, not in New York at the time, Um, but there are commercials on YouTube. I'll post a couple of them, and uh, Joe Piscopo even spoofed it on SNL in the early 80s. But yeah, Crazy Eddie was a staple in local New York television, as far as his stores, which I guess sold everything and they were supposed to be, I'm so crazy and my prices are so cheap. But this guy that we're watching is called Loony Lou, played by the wonderful Charles Levin. Aww. Charles Levin, 63 credits in a 32 year career Previously, small TV and movie roles, including Annie Hall, Manhattan, Family Ties, It Takes Two. Most recently, audiences would remember him from Alice, where he played Elliot Novak, the husband of Vera, the waitress. Remember, she married a cop in the later seasons. He was Elliot. That was him, 83 to 85. He was on Hill Street Blues, 82 to 86. But Matthew, everybody knows What are you going to say he might be most remembered for by homosexuals?
0: Oh, he was Coco on the Golden Girls pilot, bless his little heart.
1: The gay houseboy. When Okay, when you are not yet retired, but middle-aged women in Miami, and you can't make ends meet to get your own place, so you're forced into a roommate situation, of course it makes sense that there's a gay fucking house, but did he live there? Was he a live-in, did they mention that?
0: I don't think they ever got to the point where they mentioned it. he was just the housekeeper and the cook.
1: Yeah, like you're, in, like I've said, that is such a TV trope. You're Mrs. Garrett's, you're Florence, you're the, the idea of a live-in cook was so common on television <laughs> and clearly anybody could afford one, Jesus. So much of the Golden (laughs) Girls was about them struggling to make ends meet in their, in their twilight years. So I'm very happy that he only lasted during the pilot and quickly uh, Susan Harris went, you know, let's get rid of that. We don't need him. And I'm told, I I read somewhere that it was because Estelle Getty was only supposed to be an occasional thing. Like he was supposed to be the sassy, wisecracking side character. And they realized, oh no, we have it in Estelle Getty. So that's why he got eliminated. But uh, after this, he would be on Falcon's Crest, Empty Nest, Punky Brewster, 30-something, Nightcore, Growing Pains, three different roles in three different episodes of Designing Women, Seinfeld, Murphy Brown, NYPD Blue, Law and Order. I mean, this is a what's what of top level, critically and viewer acclaimed television. He's done so much stuff. (sighs) Did you look him up? Did you look to see what his cause of death was?
0: Um, I know he had a tragic end. In
1: 2019, he was retired, living in Oregon. He was in the process of moving to a new house in his same town, and he just disappeared. They didn't know what happened. They found his car four days later on a remote road, and a day after that, they found his body. It was determined that accidentally, his car became stuck in the snow when he got out to go and find help he fell off of a cliff <laughs> fell 30 feet down an embankment and and died he was 70 years old oh. i mean that, that's oh, oh my, uh, just so ugh. we were laughing at orson bean's weird death a few weeks ago but this is i i can't find any humor in this this is no. he was 70 and what a, a, you know an impressive career for a character actor and then to have just some weird freak accident take him and interesting to note
0: even if you weren't from new york at the time and didn't know crazy eddie um qvc had just taken the world by storm in november of
1: 1986 oh had it yeah okay because this guy goes back to i think even the late 70s if not the early 80s so this is a commercial but why the fuck is andy tuning into this
0: But he's selling a $995 um, word
1: processor, David. No, he's not, Matthew. He's selling a $4,000 word processor. But only today is it being offered at the low, low price of $995. Yeah. So Andy even says, oh, wow, with a word processor like that, that could help you with your writing. And Natalie's like. Oh, my fucking God. Yes, I I need this. I got to find it. And I got to find my credit card. And she starts to tear the place apart like like a meth addict looking for a hit.
0: Well, it made me think, David, real quick. I did look up how much word processors were in 1987. They went anywhere from 400 to 800 dollars. So I don't know what this word processor does, but. She still seems like when he was like five thousand dollars because he didn't say computer, he said word processor. Yeah. So
1: I looked up word processor, but anyway. Um, yeah, it said it came with a printer and a ream of paper, all this extra stuff. But anyway, so do we need to tell our listeners what a word processor is? Oh God, please. Um, imagine a typewriter with a little teeny tiny window.
0: Yeah, that where- you can only see like um like two lines of your work, two lines of your work,
1: and but Ugh. it would have a diskette or it might even have its own unique uh, saving feature, like not a standard disk yeah. to save it on where you can save your documents. But the idea is you type it in and then you type a button and it works with a daisy wheel and then just da it, it, it Like a typewriter, types out your document and you can pre-format it and, and stuff like that, yeah. Some mm. word processors did have tiny little, so like tinier than an, um, than an ATM screen. Tiny, tiny little screens, but it was literally Microsoft Word, the machine. That was all it did. Nothing else. It was not a computer, like you said. So as she's tearing the place apart, Andy clears out. He's like, okay, bitch gone crazy. I'm out. (laughs) And then in the final scene, the girls, the remaining girls in Beverly Ann come home and the place is, looks like a truck has run through it. And is that a sitcom trope,
0: David? I yeah. mean, have you ever lost something and literally ri- like left your... your Like, you lift up the, sh- the couch cushion, you look under it, it's not there, you put it back. Yeah, you don't
1: throw like, it. Nobody
0: just fucking tosses their fucking pillows all over the fucking house and tears pictures off of the wall, yeah. for Christ's sake, looking for <laughs> Chairs something. Chairs turned
1: upside down, the refrigerator on its side and shit. Yeah, that's, that's a no uh anyhow realizing that she is out of control beverly Ann still gives her back her card and natalie starts to call and tootie starts to try to intervene and natalie i mean natalie barks back at her tootie i know what i'm doing stay out of my life and shut up yeah, that brings the
0: room to a screeching halt.
1: Yeah. And that's thankfully the moment where Natalie actually is listening to herself and realizes what she's just said. So, as she is in the middle of giving the credit card number to the operator standing by, she says, Never mind, I've changed my mind. She hangs up. She immediately apologizes to Tootie, cuts up her card. And they say, yes, yeah. it was the right thing to do. They support her. And that's when it's like, oh, Natalie, you're the only one that didn't break your resolution. So actually, you have the $100. You've won the kitty. And uh, so what do you want to do with the money? And she says, well, I could take us all to dinner, but I probably should be responsible and start paying off my debt. So Italian or Chinese? ha) <laughs> <laughs> And the tropiest trope
0: of all the tropes, everybody hug in, yeah. a, in a line across like an open circle and fucking Blair turns around and hugs Beverly Ann at the end. And it's like, what? Oh, well, for God's sake. Yeah, <laughs> The tropiest of all the tropes, everybody hug at the end an arm around each other at the end.
1: Yeah. So there it is. Another one. Uh, overall thoughts. Let me think. I, uh... There's a lot of tropes here, but we've had this lot of episodes that just made no damn sense, like just completely devoid of logic. If you can remove her paying $50 for a day timer, the idea that this does all kind of track as far as, nah, I don't want a credit card, Blair encourages her to do it, and she gets out of control with it and then has to, has to pull in the reins. Uh, overall, the, the arc of the episode, I guess I don't hate. The resolutions were a little tropey, but that was an interdependent theme with the B story and the A story. So the, this is good. This is certainly not my favorite, but I don't think this is one of the god-awful ones.
0: No, it's a fun little watch. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what an 80s sitcom should be. A fun little watch.
1: Yeah. And there were no show Bible moments that were, uh, that were completely... Nothing that stood out. Other than Beverly
0: Ann mentioning her grandmother from Bavaria, uh, which made me realize, oh, that means Mrs. Garrett has a grandmother from Bavaria.
1: Oh, and, and she says her name. Wait a minute. I did make a note and I skipped it. She says her grandmother's name was... Hildegard von Kroll, K-R-O-L-L, according to the uh, subtitles, uh, the closed captioning. So, was that her grandmother's married name? Yeah. Is that their maternal grandmother? Could the, because it is never stated in the series what Beverly Ann and Edna's maiden name are, is. Right. So, could it be Von Kroll, Edna Von Kroll, Beverly Ann Von Kroll. <laughs> uh, fun to dream, isn't it, David? Yeah. Wow. It's pretty, pretty crazy. But yeah, I was also going to say that one other credit I do need to give it. When Natalie says, I will just sell tacos day and night. Not only does Natalie refer to the fact that she's only been working at uh, the sombrero taco place for only four months when she talks about working off the debt she says i will sell tacos day and night and i will scale smelt meaning going back to one of the previous jobs we know she had yeah so that was a nice little uh, side reference so uh yeah there's no show bible infractions here in fact there are a couple of uh plus points that we do need to give it
0: so well credit where credit is due that's what we do here on
1: this yeah. podcast, David. Fair and balanced. Exactly. But no
0: spin zone.
1: <laughs> as two cunty snarky queens can get. How dare you, sir. Well, next week we're going to be watching season eight, episode 15, called A Star Is Torn: The Return of Cinnamon. Yay! And the departure of George Clooney. Mm. Oh. Mm. So we have that to tackle. We're still working on getting our guest for it. But in the meantime, guys, you can watch the episode ahead of time for free at dailymotion.com. I will post the link in the show notes and on this episode's webpage. And that is all for this week. Thank you for listening. And remember, do you want to say it? The facts of life are all about you. Beautiful.
0: Let's Face the Facts was created, produced, written, hosted, and edited by the wonderful David Almeida. Our theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Please visit facethefactspod.com for supplemental photos and videos, links to social media, and ways that you can support the show. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. This is Matthew Arder saying tune in again next week another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts!